I think uh, my strength and weakness is actually the same thing, which is that I give people a lot of responsibility. So in a way, I'm quite hands-off. I try to kind of inject them with enthusiasm, with ideas, with concepts, and I let them go work it out themselves and give a project their own kind of stamp and flavor and input. The Business of Architecture and Design is brought to you by Content Brains and presented by Architectural Review Magazine and Australian Design Review. With two more episodes left, today Chris Boss and Vince Frost will share insights into talent and culture and the importance of taking them into account in any design business. So let's talk about culture and talent at our practices. How would you describe the culture at Frost Collective? The culture is really, really important for any business, and uh, I, I really believe it's very important for our business. You know, we designed a beautiful studio, we open plan, very transparent, very open, very really good in really good energy. So, in terms of the uh, the culture and the atmosphere and the general kind of vibe, it's very positive and very optimistic. And incredibly productive as well. We really care about our people. We're very much aware of the importance that our people are the business. It used to be way, way, way back when it was just me starting off in my business that it was just me pretending to be a business. But today, obviously, we've got about 50 people and I'm just the founder of the business. I'm not really involved in every single project anymore like I used to be. And I really love that. I really love the the, the fact that there's teams who are busy working on projects and, you know, coming up with solutions and working closely with clients. It's just, it's just a wonderful thing to, to witness. We do a lot of things in the, with the culture. We do Tuesday breakfast with the whole team, talk about the work ahead and what's coming up. Uh, we have, you know, st- we get together for events and things like that. We also do once a month a defrost, which is really cool too, uh, which we invite speakers to come in and talk to uh, not just our team, but kind of broader audience of about, up to about 200 people. What about you, Chris? That's awesome, Vince. And uh, I mean, I had a couple of meetings at your practice and I have to confirm that your office is really an inspiring place and somehow it seems to be reflected in the people working for you as well. So when you have a brainstorm with T. Frost, you seem to have extremely motivated, creative, kind of -of out-of-the-box thinkers around you. And I found that really impressive because that's the kind of people you want to attract in the creative industry. Yeah, it really is. And and when we're working with clients who they want us to help other refresh a brand or help create a brand we talk a lot about how important it is to have real purpose to have real clear values and really important to have your team aligned with those and we also talk about how important it is that your brand isn't just a logo your brand is actually how you express your organization at all touch points for that can be how you speak how you communicate uh, how you approach work how you how you feel in, in the particular environment, how quickly you get back to a client, all that kind of stuff. It's just kind of very much the whole business and the whole brand is considered. And I guess over time I've learned to kind of keep fine-tuning that to try to get it better and better as time has gone on. How about you, Chris? Well, it's kind of all about the experience today, isn't it? Like the yeah. experience that you give a client and the experience that he takes away from dealing with you as opposed to the experience dealing with others. What we often hear from clients that they are surprised how quick we can uh, act and how quickly we can produce incredible kind of outcomes. 
where a big kind of corporate firm, say in the US, they haven't even read the contract yet, and we're already designing the first iteration and kind of worry about the contract later. So we are very much a non-kind of commercial setup, which is good for creativity, but it's not always good for business. In terms of how we run the team and the office culture, I would like this to be an office like the office that I want to work in as well. You know, how would you like to work? You want to have an open environment where people can, to an extent, come and go as long as, of course, they produce the goods. I want to have light and air and access to nature and access to technology. And I don't want to be in an office floor, you know, with a black carpet and a marble reception and you can't open the windows. And how do you attract people and how do you keep people? That's uh, an interesting question. Our practice has been going since 2007. And we always managed to attract amazing talent from around the world, also through teaching, through publication, through books, through websites and so on. People just come to us because they're curious and interested in what we do. But quite often we build up a team which then, for example, in the financial crisis in 2009, all of a sudden comes to this halt. And so we had to learn to attract people, but also let them go or give them opportunities to, to move to other firms and to grow in different ways. So people don't stay with us forever, usually, mm-hmm. but they stay with us for a good period of time. And they're always very proud of what they learn with us. And I think the people who hire the ex-Lava staff, they want a bit of us in a way. They're all curious, like, what have these people learned? What are their skills and what can they bring to our businesses? Yeah, so without yeah. mentioning any names, but the top 10 Australian commercial firms, they're yeah. essentially uh, run with ex-Lava stuff as they're, for example, head of parametric design, head yeah. of competitions and so on and so forth. Yeah. So it's, it's a problem for us to retain people sometimes because the marketplace is very competitive. Commercial firms can pay twice as much in salaries, etc., etc. But we are very happy to have the young talent that comes fresh from university and brings the energy and passion and motivation. Yeah, we're very much the same. We we have, over the years, uh, continued to attract a whole array of talent, which is amazing. We have an internship program called uh, Frost Academy, and that we started because... It was prior, very ad hoc, how we brought on interns, and and often they would kind of you know come in and not necessarily be guided, and that was a long time ago. But now it's very much you know it's a program, and they have a wonderful opportunity to work with or experience projects and help out on things across a whole array of projects across the whole collective. So it's really we find like that internship is like a two way kind of agreement with the young designers because they are here to learn, continue to learn and we're, we're uh, teaching them and exposing them to real life projects. I love that. I love seeing, uh, I don't like seeing them intimidated at first, but often they are quite nervous about being in our space, which is not what I like to see, but that's to kind of, that's kind of natural. I felt the same way when I went to Pentagram for the first time, but they, they start off and you can really see that the talent kind of come to life more often than not, they, they, you just see them grow uh, really quickly because they got so excited. They learned all about it at college or uni, and they're now in a real studio and doing working with the team on real, real work. And that exposure is really, you know, this really speeds up their education. 
it's such a positive thing and I'd love to employ every single one of them that comes through the business and we often do keep some on depending on the work and some of them have become you know our art directors and uh, design directors uh, over time so they work their way and of course they have access to new thinking new kind of theories new technology that you may never have heard of you know yeah, the yeah. young kid kind of being around digital technologies non-stop That's they're exactly the ones right. who say like why don't you just 3d print it and we're like 3d print you know this was like 10 years ago but those <laughs> kind of ideas like yeah. when you talk about vr and ar and all sorts of immersive technologies that's where they all come from and yeah. i i always want to give everybody an opportunity to speak and to contribute and sometimes the less experience you have the better because that idea might just be the idea that is needed for the project. Absolutely. I, I, I find the same thing. And and often the young designers, sometimes you get them are really confident ones. It just, they just, they kind of come in the first day and they're kind of telling you all their ideas and everything in, in, in workshops, which is kind of like blows everybody away because, you know, people kind of are surprised to hear an opinion formed at such an early stage of their career. And, mm-hmm. of, and often those ones are the ones that actually are really, wow, those, they're unstoppable. Lo- love to yeah, see they're that. the ones you want. I mean, I, if I'm struggling with stuff, then it's staff who just sits there, doesn't talk, doesn't communicate, mm-hmm. and goes home at five or six o'clock, and you don't, don't quite know, you know, if they don't engage with practice and with me, I'm very approachable. They can talk to me anytime and to any other team member. But if they don't, Sometimes uh, I feel that we, we could strategically look after them better. I don't know mm-hmm. if you, for your internship program, do you have dedicated like buddy system where people yeah, look yeah, after yeah. them or how does it work? Yeah, basically. Basically, the, the, we, uh, we advertise for, to, to the various universities, design schools. Then we kind of do a interview, interview quite a few of them and pick out uh, one of them per team. They are then brought in and then they work closely with the junior designer who would be the last person into the business. So they've kind of been through that process themselves. And this, yeah, it's a buddy system. But yeah. I think that... It, I that, think that's a good way of doing it. Yeah. And I, sometimes you've employed people at the top. Sometimes when you employ a, like a full-time, very senior designer, it doesn't necessarily always work out because they've already uh, are very established in the way that they're working from, from maybe another organization, and they kind of really come in bringing the other organization with them, and they find it often quite hard to adjust to the way that we work. They may be equally very good at what they do, but they may the, the, it's kind of a, it, at odds oft sometimes with the business. So we find it better to ideally grow your own talent. Creator of the Business of Architecture and Design podcast, blogs, conferences, and videos, Content Brains can assist you with all of your content needs. We will work with you to develop content that inspires, educates, and connects. For more information, visit the episode notes in this podcast for a link to our website. What do you believe are your strengths and weaknesses as a leader? I think uh, my strength and weakness is actually the same thing, which is that I give people a lot of responsibility. So in a way, I'm quite hands-off. I try to kind of inject them with enthusiasm, with ideas, with concepts, but then I let them go work it out themselves and, mm-hmm. and give a project their own kind of stamp and flavor and input. And that works with people who are self-confident and assertive and uh, self-organized, but it doesn't work so well with people who are constantly waiting for instructions. Mm. So 
people who kind of want you to tell them each line, draw it from here to here, and what do I do next, and what do I do then, and what do I do with that, that's not really my kind of person. My person is kind of, I tell you the big picture, and then I let you run, and every now and then I check in with you. What do you do when... So it's this kind of laissez-faire kind of uh, approach to leadership. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people tell me, I was expecting, you know, at my internship that I'm getting taught things. But this is not like, I don't sit them down and teach them Rhino or something. I just say, Rhino is the program we're using. There's millions of tutorials online. Check out a couple of our files. This is how it generally work. But now let's talk about the project, not about Rhino. Mm. And then they get up... So and I don't teach they, them software skills. And do they software get up? skills have to be acquired on the way. And do they get up and walk out the door? It happened once, <laughs> which was quite shocking to me. There was there was one girl, I mean, it's interesting, everybody's different, right? And they're also all from different generations and different experiences and expectations. Mm-hmm. But there was one girl who, after three weeks uh, of working Lava, told me that she feels that she can't fully unfold her creativity. You know, she can't see her path, kind of, career path. how do you call that, your, your, your career path fully evolving, etc. all these things that, that you would expect maybe someone after two years maybe come and have a talk about your career path, uh, about unfolding your creativity, but you would think that someone the first four weeks would be quite willing to absorb what's around it. Mm. So, but it was also good. So within four weeks, she knew that that's absolutely not her thing and that she doesn't want to work there and that was fine. That only happened once. It actually happened quite similar when I think about it to my first job. Yeah. My first job in architecture in Cologne was working for a very commercial, very successful architect who was very convinced of himself. And he said to us, literally, you guys are my tools. And if the tools don't work, I exchange them. That sort Jesus. of approach, you know. Wow. And, uh, and so in four weeks, he was like screaming at his wife during meetings at his children who accidentally walked into the room. He called up his wife once in the middle of a meeting because he didn't like the coffee that she made and stuff like that. So I learned everything that I don't want in a leader in these four weeks. And so it was a very valuable lesson for me. Mm. Then I joined this other studio called SMO and uh, the owner of the studio, Mart Oresi, he became, for me, really like a mentor mm-hmm. and uh, he kind of sat me down you know, after this horrible experience in the other studio and uh, the interview and, and started making coffee for me and he said well you know first we have to be happy then architecture will be happy as well yeah, that's so nice. the first half hour was just chatting about life about coffee about food about environment mm-hmm. and then he started looking at my portfolio and so I'm trying to somehow lift this sort of uh, approach to things where at the end of the day, you know, of course, work is important and the results are important, all of that. But in order to create them, you first have to create an environment where that can happen. Absolutely. Even though I'd always have thought of you as a tool. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, as a joke, as a joke, man, as a joke. All right, you, look, you, look you, you know, you've just done, you just used But, up, but uh, imagine telling to yourself, you know, I mean, do you walk into your office and say, you guys haven't delivered the deadline, I will replace you all, who do you think you are, do you know how many job applications I get every week? No. I mean, you think that sometimes, but it's certainly <laughs> not a way that you motivate your staff. No, 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 not at all, not at all. 
you've just managed to use up half the tape again with one question, mate. But it's a very good right. answer. <laughs> we will cut, my, we'll cut this bit out. No, but what you said was really, really important. And that's something I often say when I do talks and stuff and talk to uh, designers is actually no two design companies or companies in general are the same. You know, every, every, they have differences. And it's really important to try a few before you commit to one because, you know, you might find yourself stuck in an organization for a very long time that really you do not feel that it's right for you. You're doing it for the wrong reasons. You're doing it just to have a job. You're doing it, you know, because you think maybe you're not quite right, you, you know, not trusting your own instincts and stuff like that. I think when you when you find the place that, that you feel at one with, you, you really thrive. And, and there's a big difference uh, for just doing a job and actually doing something you'd really, really love. Do you want to ask me a question now? Yeah, there's, a, there's, a, there's some, some quote about, about, you know, you can tell someone to to walk from here to here, but you can motivate someone to run forever, you know, something like that. About It's not about telling them what to do. It's about telling them where we want to go, and they work out how to get there with yeah. their own passion and motivation. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, so how do you do that in your, in your own practice? I heard you recently appointed Carlo Janaska as managing director, and he's been with you for a long time, so... How did you decide to kind of elevate him into that position and how does it change your practice? Well, that's such a good point. Carlo and I have been working together since I came to Australia in uh, 2003, so 17 years now. Great guy, and, he, wow. and, he, and he's been working in the industry probably another 15 years prior to that. And it's been really cool working with Carlo and the, the broader team. But, you know, Carlo's a business partner, uh, as so is Ant Donovan as well. And it's over that time, it's really cool to see, you know, me lose my hair. You know, you see your kids grow up together. You see your kids getting older. You go through a lot of ups and downs as a business, good times and bad times. And it's really interesting to see not only the business grow, but the individuals within the business grow as well. And I have to say that it's been really cool to see Carlo shift from and grow from being a uh, designer to actually a leader. And like... In my transition from the same, from a, from a designer to a, to a leader, is not something which is necessarily natural. It's something which actually I found quite hard to, to do initially. And there are still days I find it hard now because I don't always know all the answers. But what I'm saying about Carlo is it's he's kind of grown up in the business and proven himself to be uh, a very important part of the Frost Collective. He's incredibly loyal, he's very passionate, and very well respected by clients and the team. And his rigor and accuracy and follow-through is something that really stands out for me. It's actually quite unusual to be a, to be a designer and have be so rigorous. I think architects probably are more so, but designers tend to be kind of cutting corners and kind of big splash of, of an idea and then not very good at the, uh, the detailing and the planning of that, whereas he is. He's very good at both. So he, I decided to kind of make him the managing director yeah. Uh, the beginning of this year, I've tried a whole number of uh, people bringing them into the business. And people who, again, what I kind of said about a more senior person coming to the business is they come in with a very different kind of approach and different values and different uh, perspective on things, a different way of doing the things. And, and, and it's not to say that they're wrong, but it's, it's, we have a culture and we have a way of doing things. It's not, and it's not a dictatorship, but there's a, definitely, there definitely is a frost collective person. We call them frosties. 
and and that they their alignment to our kind of vision and our and our purpose and everything is really really important, and it makes a really big difference to to that. But equally, just around a long in a long time of working together, he he totally understands the business, of course, and he understands all of our objectives. I don't need to kind of work with him and trying to change that or redirect that or anything. So him and I have been working together for a very very long time, and. Uh, we know each other uh, really, really well. We know each other's strengths and weaknesses as, as well, and we compensate each uh, for for those in a way. And you know, I'm I'm really excited about that move, and I can already see that that actually makes uh, creates more time for me. Although right now it's mayhem because of the whole virus scenario, which is causing you know there's a lot of conversations around the team and the business and the, the the work and you know making sure that we stay in business so we kind of both kind of jump back into that again but it was a recent role and I immediately when he became the MD started to see that I had more time and more space to actually focus in on uh, new business and connecting with other opportunities outside of the business as well. Join us tomorrow for the final episode with Chris Boss and Vince Frost as they wrap up their conversation on the business of architecture and design. Thank you for joining us. If you want further details on our podcast or our guests, please visit the episode notes in this podcast. And if you enjoy listening, please rate us. It helps others like you to find us more easily. The Business of Architecture and Design is produced by Joanne Davies, Head of Content Brains and Publisher of Architectural Review and Australian Design Review. Madeline Swain, Editor of Content Brains, and Tilly Bensley-Netheim, Editor of Architectural Review and Australian Design Review Architecture.